Welcome to PageCast, a podcast series brought to you by Jonathan Bull Publishers. By interviewing the authors responsible for some of your most loved books, we explore the thoughts, ideas, emotions, and creative processes that led to the writing of these books. If you're a reader with a zesty interest in people and stories, do stick around and enjoy what PageCast has to offer. Before we start, we want to issue a disclaimer. Conversations hosted by PageCast are happening from all corners of the world. So if we do have any inconsistencies with sound, we ask for your understanding as a listener. Hi, everyone. I'm Danielle Weeke. Welcome to PageCast, brought to you by Jonathan Ball Publishers. I have the enormous pleasure today of chatting to Hans Rosenfeld. As a Swedish scriptwriter, he is the man behind such legendary and entirely binge-worthy series as The Bridge and Marcella, but he is not just a scriptwriter, he's an author too. Hans, thank you so much for joining us today. I would really like to start this conversation talking TV and Marcella first, as this is the most recent on my radar and on my screens. And for all of you listening, it is on Netflix if you haven't yet had the pleasure of the dark and lovely Marcella. Hans was such a seemingly nice guy. This show boasts some very dark characters. How do you come up with these twisted ideas? Um, I really don't know. I, I get that <laughs> question uh, quite a lot. Thanks for having me, by the way. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. So uh, I really get. I think it's. It just has always come quite natural for me. I guess it's a bit of my uh, kind of a dark imagination, but I also kind of thank slash blame my parents for it. They never, ever set any rules uh, when I grew up, what I was uh, allowed to see or read or watch on television, on film or anything like that. Kind of uh, a lot of brutal 1970s, early 80s slasher films uh, when I was too young. And um, yeah, I think it's, it's, I kind of grew up with, um, I always liked uh, crime novels, mystery, horror, it's, it's the kind of genres that I feel very comfortable uh, with. That's great. I was hoping you might say that because I wanted to ask you if there was a particularly memorable book or television show or film that left an impression on you and that got you thinking, could this be me? Uh, I don't think And I, I mean I, in terms of writing, not in terms yeah. of murder. <laughs> not in terms of... Before of killing, we get too dark. women. <laughs> exactly. In horrible ways. Yes, yes, on a, on a camp somewhere. No, <laughs> yes. I, I don't think it was one. I don't think I ever dared to dream that this could be me. But on the book side, I, I mean, as I think as everyone, Stephen King, I mean, I, I think he literally kind of changed my way of thinking. Before that, even in mystery shows, when you grew up and you were really small, like Scooby-Doo and the mist or the monsters there, they were always, you know, the dressed up janitor or, or you know, they were never real. There was always an explanation. And then Stephen King came along in my life and showed, no, they're, they're, they're real. You know, these, the supernatural, the monsters, they're really there. And you can write about them and you can make films about them. And, and so I, thought, I think Stephen King is probably my biggest, uh, the biggest reason why I wanted to at least work some, with, with fiction in yes. some sort of way. Yeah. And as I understand it, you started your career as an actor first and then moved behind the scenes into script writing. I started, I was trying, I was, uh, I was working as an actor for five years uh, okay. in, in theatres and uh, I made two feature films. But 
I was never, ever any good at it. And <laughs> I think everybody, everybody noticed that before I did. So I was more or less forced behind the scene to, to kind of, here's a script. Why don't you see if you can adapt that? Or here's a book. Is that something we can do? And that, so they kind of pushed me off stage. And when did you know you wanted to be a writer? Well, I didn't know. I think, I think I found out, I started in 1992. I started to write on two projects in Sweden. It was a radio show and it was um, a, a soap opera. And I started mm -hmm. to write on both. It was comedy on the radio and then it was, yeah, it was a soap. Uh, and then I realized that I was, I was so much better doing that than I was at acting. So I kind of just continued and I got more and more work uh, in television uh, mostly. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's kind of just, yeah, this is, I'm actually quite good at this uh, and I can probably make a living at this. So it, it's, I didn't, I just kind of slipped into it. It's, and that is 30 years, 30 years ago. Yeah. And how did you make the shift from screenwriter to author? Was that always part of your plan to write no, books? No, it was, it was never part of my plan actually, but I, I started, we started to write on a television series, uh, me and a colleague of mine called Mikael Hjort. Yes. We started on a, on a TV show, a cop show, a, cr a crime show. Uh, and then we went to the only kind of broadcaster back in those days. In 2010, there was not that many doing drama in Sweden, apart from two channels. And we went to the biggest of them and said, this is a show we want to do. And this was just uh, after Stieg Larsson has made uh, mm -hmm. The Girl with the Dragon to Two and Camilla Leckberg was really, really big in Sweden. So then the broadcaster said, no, you know what? We don't want original ideas for our crime uh, shows anymore. We, we have just, we have taken a, we have taken a decision to only do crime shows uh, of books, to only adapt books into our crime shows. And then we do original ideas when it's not crime. So then we thought, well, this is quite a good story, though, that, that we scripted. So then my colleague, when we left that meeting, he said, so if, if they only do books, let's turn this into a book. <laughs> uh, so we did that. We turned the first script into a book. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, and then we continued uh, with the books uh, alongside with the script writing. With the script writing. Is there a secret formula to a Rosenfeld villain? I feel like in some respects, perhaps they are super creepy, slightly unraveling. How do you dream them into being? It's a little bit different, I think, uh, depending on where, where they turn up. Um, I think in Marcella and in The Bridge, probably, well, in the latest TV that I've been doing, I think they are quite you know, a little Bond villainy, a little bit larger than life. And when you think about it, could they really do, could one man really do all of this? And you probably end up with the answer, no, no, that's no way they can have done that. Uh, so I think they're a little bit larger than life. And I think they're a bit super villains. Mm -hmm. uh, on the other hand, in, the, in our books, we make, we, we put quite a lot of effort into that our villains should be understandable. They're not just evil. Uh, they are. They, they should have a reason for what they're doing. And you might agree or disagree with. I mean, you will always disagree with the methods. You can agree with the reasoning behind the methods. Yes. So we put quite a lot of effort into making them human and not just good or bad or evil or, or good. Uh, but the film. But the bridge. The bridge are really just 
super intelligent, uh, bondy, villainy kind of thing. <laughs> it's a good segue onto the bridge. Um, Nordic Noir has such an enthusiastic fan base around the world. What is it do you think that readers and viewers love so much about the Scandinavian genre? Uh, I think we have always been good, also in, in our writing, or maybe even more so, I think we've been kind of good in in creating strong characters, good characters mm-hmm. that you can maybe not necessarily identify with, but at least feel or root for. Um, we're good at that. Uh, we are, you know, it's hard to believe when you're living here, but we, I, I have realized that we're quite exotic uh, <laughs> with the darkness. Uh, I mean, it is dark almost you know four months a year it's it's almost completely dark yes. uh, so i think it's that i think it's that we are not we're not very talkative we're quite seclusive we don't really we're not that kind of social which kind of gives us it's a kind of yeah it, it, it's kind i think it's easier to to create some kind of a mood uh, in scandinavia which i think is a is a good it's a good, strong brand, the kind of Scandinavian mood. Um, and, and, and as I say, we, we're also, we've been, we've been all, I think we've been good on crime stories and detective stories uh, since, since the 50s, 60s. So most of us have grown up with them. And um, I think what, especially on the book side with Sjövalvala in the 60s, Mm. They did that, what we also tried to do. They were the first ones, I think, that kind of went from faceless evilness to let's see if we can understand this person's, let's see if we can understand why he or she is doing this. We have a, we have a big creative um, environment. Uh, there's a lot of good directors. There's a lot of good actors. There's a, yeah, we, we, for, for being such a small country, and if you even take Denmark and Norway being almost, being still quite small, we have managed very, very well. So let's talk about these characters and the psychology of them. How do you get under the skin of your hero characters, now stepping away from the villains? I'm very intuitive. Um, I, when I start on a character, I kind of have her lined out. Of course the dogs start barking <laughs> as you try to do a cross-continental podcast. Of course. <laughs> They're not even my dogs. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, oh, anyway, um, well, as I said, I, I line them out in a kind of what, what, what and who they are. And then when I, when I start writing... I come up to certain kind of points where they need to have a reaction on things or they need to have a thought of things. And then I can, oh, I think she will probably react like this. And then that's another part of the puzzle, who she is. And then, you know, doing that a few times, you, you, you get a kind of fleshed out character. Um, I wouldn't say that my characters are that very fleshed out uh, at the beginning of the process. It happens during writing and rewrites and discussions with publishers and, and script editors uh, and producers. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a kind of layer-on-layer layer thing whilst working. And, I mean, we do so many versions of everything, so many drafts of everything. So, you know, after six episodes and first draft of that, you kind of know very well. So in the second draft, you can see, oh, wait a minute, here she's reacting in a way that she shouldn't because she's not that, that kind of person anymore. And then yes. you change that. And then, yeah, so when you up to seventh or sixth or seventh draft, 
you know, you know them really, really well, and you know exactly how they will react in every situation they will come across. So, I mean, in that case, picking up a second or third season, I mean, for me as a viewer, it feels like slipping back into such a comfortable space. But, I mean, it must be the same for you then as a writer. What do you most love about returning to this same group of characters and and developing? And, and what makes it more difficult to shake things up when you're talking about serialized things and characters? It is much easier to go back. It is much easier to write uh, series two or three or, or book two or three in a series. It's much, much easier because the groundwork, they usually also... The, the kind of environment where it's set, the kind of universe, you have, you have built the universe and now you just need to make sure that things are happening in it. Uh, so it's much, much easier. I mean, amazing, so, that organic building. Yeah, it is. And it's so fun to go back. And are there more stories to tell for The Bridge or Marcella? Can we expect any additional seasons? I see um, Anna Friel was quoted as saying Marcella was always meant to be a trilogy, but I... Uh, Cannot help feeling that the last season ended on an open note. Yeah, it kind of does, but it was just right. <laughs> uh, we decided when we made se season one, and that was also our first director on that one, said, I think this should be a tri uh, tr tr oh, that's triology, uh, trilogy. Yes. Trilogy, yes. trilogy. I kind of mixed in some Swedish there. And, and uh, fortunately, we got, we got three seasons, but no, Marcella is over, and the bridge is also over. It's a very good moment then for me to say thank you screenwriting and to start talking about your books in that case. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go there, yeah. Let's talk about your latest book, Cry Wolf. Um, yeah. I'm going to ask you possibly the impossible, which is how you would best describe the plot in just one or two sentences. Oh, uh, it's, uh, it's a lot of drugs and money gone missing and uh, the police and the owner of the drugs and money are looking for it. And it's just a kind of a race of who will get there first. Well, it's a bloody race to who will get there first. Excellent. A very bloody race, which is why I loved it too. And if I understand um, correctly, this is a departure for you in terms of the fact that previous books have been written with another author. The first one by myself. Yes. First standalone book. Yeah. And, um, and first standalone book that does not look towards something serialized like a TV series. So how does writing a standalone differ from serialized writing? Well, actually, this is going to be a series as well. I'm working on, on, uh, I'm working on the, uh, the second part now. Oh, excellent. Uh, it, it will be out in, uh, in, in some, sometimes this fall in Sweden. Uh, so it will be serialized. This also will be television. And what inspired this, this book? Well, um, Michael and I, we've been writing six books together. Uh, yes. And then we just couldn't get our schedules to work. Uh, and I had some time over and I thought maybe I should try to write a book on my own uh, because we knew when we were going to start with the, the next Sebastian Bergman book. Uh, mm -hmm. And I had some time, so I thought, let's see if I can do this. Uh, and then I went to my publisher and said, I want to see if I can try to write one by myself. And they, they said, yes, please do. Wonderful. So it was really just I had I had time on my hands and yes. Michael couldn't work, so I wrote another book. And was the process very different? Your writing process, writing on your own, to to writing with a partner? Yes, it was actually it was actually horrible to write on my own. <laughs> it was uh, 
I hope been... Michael listens to this podcast. I, oh, he knows. He knows. Uh, <laughs> he knows how much I missed him. It was. Um, I'm so used with collaborations these days. Television is always. I mean, there's a lot of people involved in television, and there's always collaborations about the scripts and well about everything uh, about the writing. And and then I wrote with Michael six books, and and what I really really missed was. Uh, not so much that I had to write the whole book instead of the half a book, which I usually write. But yeah. what I really missed with, was that I, nobody knew the story uh, apart from me. Nobody knew the characters as well as I did. So every time when I, when I stopped and, and kind of thought, hmm, is this really the best way of, to kind of tell this? Usually, it's, that's the point when I call my friend Camilla, or I call Michael, or I call someone who knows the story as well as I do. And we kind of discuss it, and then usually we say, no, it wasn't the best way, this is the best way. And I had no one, so I had to solve all those questions by myself. And that was, it was a part of my brain, I think, that I, has been shut off for, for decades. Mm. So um, yeah, I set off because, yeah, I set of eight months to do uh, Cry Wolf, and it took me 16. Okay. So it, uh, no, it was, uh, it was not a pleasant, uh, it was not, not pleasant at all, actually. It's funny, I think so many of us, um, since we've been in various versions of lockdown and this pandemic, and having to work from home, have missed that sense of creative collaboration in our work lives to some degree or another. So it's also amazing to hear about it from a writing point of view of how you are able to bounce stuff off one another, because I think that writing often is, is perceived as such a solitary pursuit and not one that engages lots of other people at the beginning of the process, but rather is something that's edited at the end. Uh, yeah, I think it's also because I'm writing, I'm writing crime story. I'm writing, you know, plot-driven, with, with, for hopefully good characters, but plot-driven book. I mean, if you write something that you kind of that you kind of need to tell a kind of very personal story or trying to get over something or to get it out and out of your system. If, you, if you're really writing personal stuff, I think you probably wouldn't have anyone else interfering with that. But mm. we, are, we are, are writing plot-driven crime stories. So we would kind of, we would look all the time to kind of maximum we try to get maximum excitement. We try to get max. Uh, we're trying to keep the tempo up. We kind of see, yes. do we need this? Do we don't need this? So it's, I think it's different kind of, of writing, really. Yes, that makes so much sense when you explain it like that. Um, I want to ask you, what is the first thing you do when you start writing a new book or a new script? Well, all of them usually comes from a kind of what-if scenario. I, I, I think of something, and I really don't know where those thoughts come from. But I think of something like Cry Wolf, is like, what if somebody find human remains in a dead wolf? Then what would happen? And the bridge was very much, what if you find uh, a body right on the border? Halfway, between, I mean, yes. I mean, that's such an amazing starting point. The half, half in Denmark, half in Sweden. And then yeah. you realize it's not even one person, it's two persons put together on the bridge. What will happen then? So it usually starts with that. And then quite soon in the process, we start very much so with TV, also with our books. We start with a kind of, we start with the end. It's like, who did it and why? So everything we write, then when we go back from, to the beginning, everything we write should always 
have been made possible. So, so this person or those persons uh, always had the opportunity to do it. So who, who did it and why is all is the kind of first thing that we make clear. I have, um, I have a couple of questions from uh, the audience that I would like to ask you. And sure. the first one is this. What is your favorite real-life murder story and why? What real-life oh. crime fascinated you? Oh, I don't think... I, I don't think I'm one of those. I don't really, I don't really like real life, real life crime stories. I have never been this. I've never been on board the whole true crime mm -hmm. train. Uh, I missed all of the <laughs> all of the famous <laughs> ones. Uh, and I tried to uh, just a couple of months ago. I said I should probably watch the, the Jinx, and it was. I really, it's just not for me. Um, I think I, I I think in my head as entertainment, I think murder is best fictionalized. Yes. I don't really like the kind of I don't really kind of fictionalizing real crime. It's not it's not really what I I don't really enjoy it, to be honest. So but I mean we have a we have still, I mean, which is probably at least the most interesting murder that in real life for me is that uh, when our prime minister was shot in 1986 in an open street in Sweden, in Stockholm. And that case is, isn't solved yet, but uh, last year the district attorney uh, held a press conference and said, um, we're not really, really sure, but most of our evidence and everything looks at that this person. So they named a person that they thought shot the prime minister. And that person was dead since a couple of years back. So he couldn't possibly okay. def defend, defend himself. himself. Yes. So the kind of, um, yeah, the kind of conclusion is this dead guy. Uh, Very neat ending. Very neat. And not, <laughs> I don't think it's that many people who actually think, oh yeah, that's probably what happened. So yeah. it's, uh, <laughs> but that, that was a way for them to close the investigation, you know, that yes, be done. 30, year, 30 years and it's cost millions and millions and millions. And Crazy. It, it was their way of saying, we will never solve this. So let's point yeah. at this guy. <laughs> We're done with he, it now. He, yeah, he's dead anyway. So yes. what's going to happen? <laughs> and tell me, Hans, what book or character, um, is there one perhaps that you wish you had written? Uh, well, you know what? I, I, I I like, um, I read a lot of comics and if there is one character and I think she's, she might be a little bit forgotten now, it's uh, Modesty Blaze. Do you know about Modesty Blaze? Yes! I love Modesty Blaze. I think all of those, almost all of the stories, Modesty Blaze comics are brilliant. So, and they had such a good relationship with her and Villa Garvin, which was, which was kind of, I think, revolutionary back the uh, a man, an attractive woman, a very attractive yes. woman, a very attractive man, had this kind of friend relationship that was absolutely asexual. And uh, yeah, I loved Modesty Blaze. So I, w I wish I, you know, also, I wish I had invented her because then I would get the rights to do television. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, because I can't get the rights. I tried. I can't get the rights to Modesty Blaze. But uh, what a so, brilliant uh, feminist icon to have picked as your favorite character she's, she's just i think i think i really had a kind of a real life crush on modesty blaze when i grew up i think she was just she was just brilliant and is there a decision um from your part that made you choose uh feminine characters as your heroes in your books and 
TV series? No, it, it's, I think most of it has kind of, it just happened, at least with my later ones. Um, and there's reason for it, because with the bridge, we knew who we wanted to play uh, Martin. So we had the kind of, we had the male protagonist. Yes. And then we also knew, okay, so, but we also had to, you know, create a, a, another protagonist from Sweden that should obviously be a female. And then, then Saga came along and she became kind of the main protagonist of that show uh, because, yeah, because the way she was written and the way she was acted. That came out of, yeah, we already had a man, we need a woman. Uh, Marcella was pitched to me by my uh, co-creator, Nicola Lada, and then she already, this was already a female police officer going through a divorce, uh, going back to work after being a, a stay-at-home mom. So she, she was always already a female. And with Hannah Wester in uh, Cry Wolf, yes. I just tried to separate my writing from my and Michael's writing. And from Sebastian. As much as, much as I could. And we have a male protagonist in our books. So then yes. I thought, you know what? To differ us as much as possible, I'm gonna I'm gonna have a female protagonist. So it's a little bit of yeah, I like it. I like writing female characters, but it's been kind of a it's kind of just happened. Yes, not to the book. Okay, so here's one for you. Tell us something about yourself that most people would not know. Most people listening. Or most people listening to this? Uh, I ended up in second place in Masked Singer in Sweden. Okay, I'm going to need a bigger story for that. <laughs> Keep talking, Hans. I don't think I don't think most people listening to this knows that that I'm also, if not excellent, at least good enough singer. How did you end up in second place? Who did beat you? Oh, a young, very very talented YouTuber. So uh, I was not surprised. I was actually surprised to go as far as I did. There was no way of saying that he didn't deserve the win uh, because he so clearly did. Uh, so, but yeah, I um, I was the voodoo doll, and uh, yeah, you can see it on YouTube if you uh, mask singer Sweden, the voodoo doll, and that's there's me. I mean, you know, we are all going to be hopping online at the end of this to <laughs> check that out. So if I have this correctly then, Hans, you are a singer, you have dabbled in acting, writer and director. No, I never direct. Okay. So it's just I've the never script. Directed. Okay. So is that something no. in your future perhaps? I don't think so. I uh, no, it's not. I I don't really like to interact with other humans. <laughs> so That's very Scandinavian of you. <laughs> <laughs> Judging yeah. by how but, you describe Nordic noir, yeah, it's a, I, I'm I'm pretty much the I'm pretty much the poster boy for Scandinavian kind of <laughs> uh, leave me alone. Uh, so no, I, I there's really too much people involved in directing, so I'm not doing that. And okay. I also I think I would be yeah I I um I have high demands on what I do, and I don't think I would live up to them directing. So so Fair no, enough. there will be no directing. So I have one final question for you in that case, and that is, what are you working on next? Oh, I, I'm working on, I'm in that fortunate position that I have too much work. Uh, I'm oh, adapting, I'm adapting Cry Wolf for television, yes. okay. together with my, my, my friend and colleague that co-wrote The Bridge with me, Camilla. Okay. Uh, I am adapting um, 
CJ Tudor's uh, new book. <gasps> I uh, saw that on your Instagram, The Burning Girls. The Burning Girls, yes. I'm adapting I that. I adored that uh, book. I thought it was so great, wasn't it? Me I too. Thought it was brilliant, yeah. Absolutely. So I'm adapting that, and that will be, uh, we will start shooting in September, October somewhere. Oh, exciting. I'm also, I'm adapting a third book, actually, which is yes. Astrid Lindgren's uh, Ronia, The Robber's Daughter. I'm turning that into a 12-episode TV show. And then I'm writing, yeah, the next book in the Haparanda series. That should keep you out so, of mischief. That's a good list. Yeah, I also, I also have a weekly radio show, so yeah. That sounds like an excellent uh, kickoff to 2022. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Yeah, Very I, I know what I'm do- I know what I'm going to do for the, the next couple of years. Yes, you're sorted. Oh, wonderful, Hans. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for chat. It was so great to speak to you. I thoroughly enjoyed reading Cry Wolf, but I was already a huge fan of Marcella and The Bridge. So it was a very easy segue for me to get into your writing. And I'm going to go back and find those earlier books that you wrote with Michael and get stuck into those too. But thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for the chat. And uh, good luck with the year ahead. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of PageCast. We have an incredible lineup of author interviews, so head over to our Facebook and Instagram and follow Jonathan Ball Publishers to stay updated and in the know regarding future episodes. Thanks for your interest in the story behind the story. Happy reading from everyone at PageCast. <laughs>